Today I'm joined with two fantastic guests, Lisa Pickney and Faye Coleman. How are you today? Fantastic. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> Faye, where are you located? I'm in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Cherry Hill, South, New Jersey. Yeah, right outside of Philly. Got it. And Lisa, where are you located today? I am actually located in Smyrna, Georgia. It's a suburb of Atlanta. Awesome. You could say that AI will essentially be the disruptor mm -hmm. of our industry as we mm -hmm. look at logistics, mm -hmm. demand planning, lab testing or compliance, intelligent marketing, personalization. And of course, I think you alluded to a little earlier in terms of chatbots and mm -hmm. all those things that are going on. But I believe if you're first going to look to incorporate AI, you have to ask yourself, What's the problem? What are you solving for? Mm -hmm. uh, and not just take AI on the surface for what it is. But if you truly understand your business, I think the answers can be found in the service, the compliance, as well as the inventory and the staffing. You brought up an interesting point. I think you expressed a need in that regulatory space. And both of you have, have mentioned bad actors. And mm -hmm. so can we drill into that a little bit? I think the major culprits in the dispensary, and I'm just going to, of course, hang out in the dispensary world, mm -hmm. uh, are around misinformation. Uh, as you talk mm -hmm. about misinformation, which can come in the form of information that's outdated, missing, or just plain false. Uh, it can come from falsified lab reports, you know, where toxins mm -hmm. go unreported or THC levels could be under or overstated or manufacturers may not have appropriate certifications or licenses, which of course can lead to what? Dispensaries placing dangerous products on the shelf mm -hmm. and becoming a health risk to customers or patients or ordering products that don't meet the customer's needs. So <laughs> you've got that in terms of misinformation. And then you look at compliance. With compliance, it's another challenge because if you look at it in a couple of ways, right? One, uh, you got to look at it in terms of your reputation could be at risk mm -hmm. if you receive a letter from the FDA, as Lisa has told me. Uh, it's hard to keep pace with regulations, which they're always changing. Mm -hmm. Fines mm -hmm. and fees are always increasing in size. Mm -hmm. Your product may be aging and may expire, mm -hmm. so you have to be strategic with discounts to minimize price erosion, which can ultimately erode your margins. And then you've got the compliance. And then it comes down into, uh, as we all know on social media, one wrong word can bring mm -hmm. your business to a stop. Mm -hmm. So compliance is critical, but it's also costly. Mm -hmm. uh, and then mm -hmm. as you look at inventory management, uh, another area that can bring your business to a full stop is uh, understanding, of course, it's your largest COGS or your cost of goods sold uh, in your business based on how well you demand plan, which is based heavily on how well you forecast understanding lead times, your safety stock, your product costs, and most important product movement mm -hmm. or your sell through, which is heavily based on how well you educate your team on product knowledge as well as customer and patient engagement. Mm -hmm. Of course, the goal being to limit your inventory carrying costs while satisfying your customers and your patients. Awesome. Lisa, yeah. did you want to add on to that? Yeah, just the points that kind of resonate with me is the compliance piece. For me, what I've seen, unfortunately, in the industry, definitely with the laboratory compliance, I, I was totally shocked a year and a half ago when I found out that people may be reporting lab testing that is not true. I was just shocked. I was like frozen for two to three months. And I was like, 
No, you can't do that. And me coming from the regulatory environment, I spent a few years in the federal government and it's just never entered into my mind. But then I have to step back and look at the industry we're in. There are no national guidelines. We're only trying to comply with state guidelines. Mm -hmm. But when you alter laboratory testing results just to ensure that you're more profitable or your client is more profitable and they can sell their products, that to me bothers me because that impacts the health of the patient. I couldn't believe that is happening in this industry. There's So those are bad actors for sure. And another thing that I just, you know, and maybe I'm just pie in the sky, I have rose colored glasses on, is these applications that people are writing at the state level to get the licenses. People mm -hmm. are saying anything in these applications and they can't fulfill what they're putting in the applications. That bothers mm -hmm. me as well. They are taking information from other people's applications, dumping it, dumping it into their applications, putting it forward, and then they may get a license. And then they, they still can't fulfill what they said they were gonna fulfill. So stuff like that, it's just a different industry. This is where we are. and. It just takes you a minute to to snap out of it and say, this is really happening. And I think twisting this around, can AI help with that? Maybe it can. Maybe it could be a positive tool that we can utilize or the states can utilize when reviewing applications. If you notice that five out of the 20 applicants have the same answer for question number six, seven, and eight, why should they get points for it? Because most mm -hmm. of the apps are points-based. So maybe right. that's a tool that can be used there. On the opportunities, we're not yes. quite there, but mm -hmm. I think AI can help with the data collection, with the shadowing of decision makers and providing the necessary tools uh, so that we can have the capabilities and the capacity to operate at a next level that's beyond what we can do. And that's awesome. the whole point. I'm going to present a question from a future perspective. But before I go there, as far as the talent and skill sets, right, you talked about the different roles and the quality of the individual. Are they mm -hmm. sufficiently trained, skilled? What are they bringing to the table? Mm -hmm. Are there specific needs in the industry right now, on the dispensary side, on the regulatory side that you're looking for or looking to expand into? Yes, consistency with education. Mm -hmm. I think that's the number one challenge within our industry, top to bottom. I don't care what you look at, uh, whether it's engaging with the customer uh, on service uh, and product selection, uh, or it's through your optimization of your operations, through inventory management. All of that takes education, right? Mm -hmm. And good systems, uh, but education. And I think it's very lacking. I think there are some operations uh, who have significant budget to invest more on the education side than others. Mm -hmm. I also think uh, there are some organizations who have the budget to do more and don't. Mm -hmm. uh, so mm -hmm. the inconsistency uh, is unfortunately the challenge to allowing us to have a best-in-class industry as a re up and down the supply chain uh, as it relates to the business. Mm -hmm. I would just say the number one challenge is education. Okay. My thought is assess and assimilate the research that has already been performed mm -hmm. in the field of medical cannabis in order to draw specific conclusions and 
be able to present it on the federal national level. Mm -hmm. um, because one thing that I've heard and when I first got into this industry is, oh, there's just not enough research. There just isn't enough research for us to make these decisions um, regarding using cannabis for these disease states, whether it's aiding with cancer, end stage uh, cancer or PTSD or Alzheimer's, whatever the disease states. Here we have 17 that have been approved for medical use. Mm -hmm. But for me, I think where my passion lies is to be able to demonstrate and show, whether it's at a federal level, and I do it already now at a state level, that yes, medical cannabis can assist and help with some of the disease states. And I would like to see us be able to use the data that's already out there. Some of the national data, NIH has supported data regarding mm -hmm. medical cannabis. And so that data should help us make decisions on whether or not medical cannabis can help with different disease states. For me, it's about how can we demonstrate through evidence-based literature that medical cannabis is useful in certain disease states. Lisa, is there any efforts underway right now, even grassroots? Because I agree with you. Going back, there were st there's studies out there. You're back in the There's 80s and 70s, and that, this conversation has been a long one. <laughs> I would like to see. I think that would be something that I would be really interested in. We've done it here in the state of Georgia, and I have mm -hmm. taken over, commandeered my medical director in Florida. And so sometimes we just go out. We have mm -hmm. these really intellectual conversations. I'm like, okay, show me the data. I want to see it. And when I look That's at right. the data... Some of these studies have been run by like the National Heart, Lung and Blood Institute, exactly. the institutions exactly. in NIH. And I'm like, so the stuff is here. So how do we package it to make the federal government understand we've already done the research? The research is here. Mm -hmm. The research is in Israel. The research is international. So it's valid research. And so when I say all that, what comes to mind is maybe they don't want to see the research what would be interesting is to use some of the current technology and harvest right do a meta-analysis of all that data and see what we come up with so these yeah. are some of the areas i'd love to follow up with both mm -hmm. of you this is near and dear my wife is a sociologist from university of mm -hmm. chicago and so we're you know nice. NIH and, and that sort of thing i was actually using a new tool it's called uh, and i'm not gonna it's a rabbit hole it's called infra notice and it, the concept is old, right? It's text pattern analysis. And so you could add in, I just took her dissertation and uploaded the PDF and then it creates mm -hmm. this whole nodal visualization and then you could mm -hmm. dig into it. And so the, while the concept has been out there, they've added an API, right? With GPT three and four. And so you could do ideation and that sort of thing. And so if there's that body of, now, it'd be interesting just to play around with it from a regulatory perspective, these studies that you mentioned going back mm -hmm. whenever, I could just put in some really light criteria and see what it comes up with. And then you could do the nodal analysis around that. So I'd love to have some follow-up around that as well as some of the uh, areas that you were uh, describing. Excellent. I would love that too. I think we can easily do some quick data dumps with A and get started in a real way. Absolutely. Uh, like I shared before, I just, we're very, we're very young industry. Mm -hmm. um, 
and we're uh, a politically charged industry to Lisa's point. Uh, there's a lot of areas where we can go fast, but there's a lot of areas where we continue to see some significant roadblocks that are not going to be removed uh, mm -hmm. anytime in the near future. So, mm -hmm. yeah, so more to come around that. But, yeah, you're absolutely correct on that. Excellent. And to hone in just briefly on that, from both of your perspectives, when do you think there could be some major headway with respect to some of these areas? AI is coming now. It's AI coming. Is here. AI. It's, it's not going to, I say our industry is young, mm. but there's a lot of independent uh, initiatives going on mm. within it. It's just not federal. So Got it's it. not nationally deployed or executed. We mm. just only have a few tools that are required right now that the states are somewhat comfortable with. Mm. And albeit those are not the most effective tools out there, but they're the tools that we have. So we use them. Uh, but AI is here, and I'm sure uh, AI is uh, growing somewhere quite nicely and <laughs> will rear its head quite soon. Mm -hmm. And some of it's going to be first to market. So there are going to be some first yeah. to market uh, yeah. initiatives that are going to come to be. And we'll see if they have some uh, staying power uh, and uh, some effectiveness, and they'll start to be deployed quickly because, again, folks are looking at how can we optimize on service? How can we optimize mm -hmm. on our staffing? You're looking at staffing in terms of being efficient, but also you're looking to minimize it wherever possible. And at the same time, you're looking at your operations. How do you optimize that? And that mm -hmm. all starts with great data that goes back to shadowing great decision makers as you go through mm -hmm. your business so that you can improve on customer service through your bud tender education, your quality control and your compliance, as Lisa alluded to, mitigating mm -hmm. risk to customer and patient health, and mm -hmm. then that inventory management piece because service and operations, and of course, the bottom line are always going to be the key, regardless of how we look at the business. If we're not making money and if we're not doing it in a way that is benefit for the customers and patients, we're, we're out of business pretty quickly. So we're on the verge of AI. It's here. It's happening. We'll see probably in the next two or three years some pretty big advances coming along. They're just somewhat dormant. So mm -hmm. problem solving and decision making is where, it at, where it's at with AI. And I can't wait to see what happens next. Awesome. Lisa, any uh, closing comments around that? No, no comments. I think she just did a bring it. Bring the technology. Yeah. Bring I, the technology. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really appreciate the two of you taking the time out for this, as I call it, the micro summit. And there are, we're planning for future episodes. And so I really would like to take a look at what's out there, follow up with you. And maybe on a follow up episode, we actually deep dive some of the some of the tools that we've discovered and uh, some of what's happening in that space as well. I do want to thank you, Michael and Retro 21 for opportunity to uh, share today and to actually have a partner in crime, Lisa, uh, as uh, it's good to see you. And it's just a great opportunity to be here. So thank you. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you so, so much. much. Mike.